The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9.45 or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida or online at westpines.org. When I think about summer, there is one movie in particular that it is the definitive summer movie. And I'm not even just saying it's my opinion. It is the definitive summer movie, okay? It's when this, you you can't even have summer until you've seen this movie. I'm commissioning you to see this movie. And so uh, just to kick things off, I'm going to show you one clip because it's also kind of the, one of the best clips from this movie. So to kick off our summer together, check this out. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. My mom made me put on my jacket and then she made me do the dishes. Oh, your poor little mommy made you do the big fat dishes. Hey, you want us more? Some more what? No, 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 you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? You're killing me, Smalls. These are s'more stuff. Okay, pay attention. First, you take the gram. You stick the chocolate on the gram. Then, you roast the mallow. No, it's my sleeping bag. When the mala's flaming, you stick it on the chocolate. Then you cover it with the other end. Yeah, make me one of those. Yeah, me too. Then you scuff. I don't like that chocolate. Kind of messy, but good. Anyone know what movie that is? Oh, awesome. Okay, that is the quintessential summer movie and I love that scene because Smalls the main character learns about the s'more which I think is the summer treat he learns what the s'more is now okay this is very important for your summer I be ready to take notes here okay this is very important about the s'more all right he learns about the s'more now is anyone here just say I've, I've never had a s'more before anyone say that you've never had a s'more okay we will pray for you after the service, all right? Here's, here's the, the thing about a s'more. It, some people just barge in to a s'more scenario and they just think there's nothing to it. There is an art and a science to the s'more. Okay, first of all, the graham cracker is the easiest part. Just make sure it's not stale, okay? It's, if it's just been sitting in the back of the pantry, okay, just start over, okay? You have to have fresh graham crackers. The chocolate is pretty easy. Um, The only difficulty with the chocolate is the the social component that's happening to the chocolate. Everyone really wants two pieces of chocolate on their s'more. You have to look around and see if that's the general thing that's happening. If everyone's only putting one piece of chocolate and you put two pieces of chocolate, you might throw off the s'more math, okay? Someone might be left with just graham crackers and no chocolate. Wait till nobody is looking, sneak the other piece of chocolate, okay? That's how you handle that. The marshmallow is the difficult part, okay? Now, the difficult part of the marshmallow is some people, what you want with the marshmallow is you want a crispy brown, 
Okay, you don't want it to just be like tinted a color. Okay, you want it crispy brown. You don't want it blackened. Okay, that's just going to taste like charcoal. You don't want that. You want crispy brown. Now, the mistake that some people make is they hold it at like four feet over the fire and they have to hold it there for like 15 minutes. Okay, here's the problem with that. I can eat four s'mores in 15 minutes. Two of them were yours, but you took too long. All right. The way, the, the art and the science is you put it directly into the fire, pull it out, and blow it out right away. Do people agree with this? Can we have consensus on the s'more making? Clapping is welcomed. Okay. <laughs> that is how you make the proper way to make a s'more. Like many things in life, it seems like it's really easy, but there is an art and a science to it. All right. The series that we're in right now, it's the story of Abraham. It's, it's Grandpa Abraham. He tells us the stories of his life. And the first episode about Grandpa Abraham is the time he heard a call. He sensed God calling him to just change course, do something very radical. He just sensed, God, you are guiding this decision. So he had this strong sense, and, and he took a bold risky step. He heard God's call. Now that might seem like an easy thing. Sometimes we'll we'll read that in the scripture. He heard God said and he did it. And it seems so easy, but it's not easy, is it? If you've ever had a moment like that in your life where you've got a big decision and you're saying, God, what are you trying to tell me? Maybe it can be something like you're changing, like you may be sensing, God, you're changing the course of my life. You're pulling me out of where I'm at. You might be thinking, man, am I supposed to, am I I supposed to leave? Am am I supposed to change jobs? Am I supposed to quit my job? What am I supposed to do in retirement? Am I supposed to date this person? Am I supposed to marry this person? Am I supposed to break up with this person? What major am I supposed to have? What career path am I supposed to have? There's all kinds of these major decisions, and sometimes it just seems so easy in the Bible. Oh, just be obedient. Sometimes like, it's not that easy. It's one of those things in life that it might sound like, oh yeah, just be obedient, do what God says. But when we get down to it, man, it's tough. But what we can learn from Grandpa Abraham's life is that there are actually truths that we can know that we can actually get good at the art and the science of knowing how to respond to God's call. It might seem like there's nothing to it, but there's actually, if we can understand a couple truths about how God operates, Get to know kind of his tendencies. And then know a couple skills. We can say, okay, now I actually have a framework for how to really, really make this work. That's what we're going to look at this morning in Genesis chapter 12. If you turn there with me, Genesis 12, starting at verse 1. Um, if you um, have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis. If you have a Bible app, you can uh, go to Genesis 12, verse 1. And just to give you a little background before we jump into this story, we're calling this uh, the life of Abraham. But to give you a heads up, you're going to see in the beginning of the story, he's referred to as Abram, and his wife is referred to as Sarai. Later in the story, they get renamed. God renames them not from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. So don't get confused. We're talking about the same people. We refer to him as Abraham because that's what his name ended up being. But right now, at this point, he's referred to as Abram. So let's hear this first episode from his life, the time he heard a call. It says this, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house 
Now look at this underlined part up here. I want you to, this is so key. I want you to read this out loud with me. To the land that I will show you. All right, so what's happening here? He hears a call from God. God says, go. The essence of this call is he's sending Abraham out. But there's specifics as to what he's leaving. It says he's leaving his country, his kindred, and his father's house. First thing it says he's leaving his country. If you've ever spent time uh, overseas, not just on a vacation or a missions trip, but you've spent maybe several months, a couple years, you probably experienced at some point something that's called culture shock. At some point, it's just you realize how so fundamentally different. Maybe the first time you moved to this country, you experienced culture shock. There's just some fundamental things. I mean, we know the language might be different, the food might be different, but over time, realize, man, this is so fundamentally different than what I'm used to that it just kind of throws you for a loop. You just it makes you unsettled and uncomfortable. So you really th- that little phrase, "I'm calling you out, go." You're going to leave your country. That's a huge deal. He's leaving all that's familiar to him. Second thing, it says you're leaving your country and you're leaving your kindred. He's living in this, in this small town, this village. He knows the people there. For generations, these people have grown up together. A lot of them are actually his blood relatives. This is his support network. This is, I mean, when his car breaks down, he knows who he's going to call. We need some repairs on his house. He knows who he, he knows who he's going to go to. He knows what stores he goes to. He knows the people there. He's got his regular restaurant he goes to. He knows those people. He just he gets it. He knows the roads. He knows how to get there. He's leaving the people he knows. These are his friends. These are the people that they hang out with. These are the people that they, their kids grow up together. He's leaving his kindred. He's lead, leaving his whole support network. That's huge. Third thing is he's leaving his father's house. Now, that's more than just he's leaving his family. I mean, it's hard if you're living near your family. It's hard to leave your family. That's difficult. But in this culture, that's far more than that. He's leaving, really, his, his financial security. I mean, he's leaving his job. He's, le- he's leaving his career path, the expectations, his plans. He's stepping out of his job. I mean, he's leaving the things that are familiar. He's leaving his support. He's, he's leaving all the security that he has. I mean, this is massive. And we learn something just by this opening verse. We learn several things that we need to know. We learn several truths. I mean, it's so helpful to understand God's tendencies. If we kind of learn how God works, how he operates, we'll begin to see those same things in our life. In other words, if we're hearing Grandpa Abraham tell us the story, if Grandpa Abraham was here, he'd tell us this. The first thing that he'd tell us is be ready for God to crush your comfort zone. All those things are his comfort zone. I mean, his, his familiarity, things that are familiar to him, his support, and, and then his financial security. I mean, be ready. The, this is kind of what God does. When we follow after Jesus, what he's saying sometimes we're like okay i follow after jesus and he's just going to make all the things kind of work together i've got these plans he's like man you follow after me i will make this happen for you your goals i'll make them happen that's a genie that's not jesus be ready this is know this tendency of god he has a way of saying okay you're here expect one year from now 
your life to look pretty different. Now, see, when we think of a comfort zone, um, if you're like me, when I think of comfort zone, we're, we're kind of comfort zone wimps. I mean, you change, like, one little thing in our life, we're like, whoa, oh, oh my, I, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, like, okay, it's Friday night, your family's ordering pizza, okay, it's family night, so you're ordering pizza, and I, I think there's one of these people in every family, okay, you're about to order pizza, and one person says, could we just try something different, okay, it's like, does it have to be cheese and pepperoni? Could we throw in a Hawaiian pizza or just something? We just change it up. And if you're like me, you're like, whoa, whoa. Don't be like throwing fruit and stuff on my pizza, okay? Pizza, there are three toppings, okay? There's tomato sauce, cheese, and pepperoni. I don't want barbecue chicken ranch pizza, okay? Don't throw all kind of weird vegetables. It's not a pot pie, all right? It's a pizza. Don't be changing it up. When we think of comfort zone, we, we think like pizza toppings level. Be ready. God can crush your comfort zone. I mean, we're talking like all of a sudden you turn around and he's called you to be a foster parent. And you have children in your home. And that'll change some things. So all of a sudden, it's, it, all of a sudden, he says, you know what, hey, you've been surrendering things to me, but have you really, really said, God, I'm an open book. My finances, you do whatever you want. And he says, okay, all right. Um, you say 100% of everything I am, all of my molecules, all my resources, all uh, everything are yours. He says, okay, then I want you to use it for e- things of eternal value. I want you to invest in your family for eternal value. I want to invest in your church for eternal value. I want you to invest in the needy around you for eternal value. Man, that'll change some things. When all of a sudden he says, okay, do you realize that you're going to work but your ultimate goal is not to just have a successful career. Your ultimate goal is to be a missionary for the gospel in whatever mission field that you're in. Man, that can change some things. See, be ready. If Grandpa Abraham were here, he'd lean back at the campfire side in his rocking chair and after living a long, adventurous life, and he'd say, man, be ready. God has a way of crushing our comfort zone. But there's something else in here that's, unbelievable. Um, did, you notice, did you notice what he said? I want you to notice how this conversation happened. It, it's really interesting. The actual conversation goes like this. It, it doesn't say, God's like, all right, Abraham, you're going to go. And then Abraham speaks up and says, wait a minute, God, do you realize what I'm leaving? I'm leaving my, my country, my kindred, and my father's house. Do you realize that I'm leaving all that? That's not how the conversation goes. God is the one right off the bat that says, Abraham, you're going to go and you're going to be leaving. I understand. You're going to be leaving your country, your kindred, and your father's house. You're going to be leaving the familiar. You're going to be leaving the support. And you're going to be leaving your security. It's God that says it. And it's the first thing. He's got a little spiel he's about to give Abraham. And it's the first thing right off the bat. The first questions that are going to be coming up in Abraham's mind are the first things God is addressing. You know, a tendency that God has, this is something about God, that if Grandpa Abraham, if we were sitting around the campfire with Grandpa Abraham in between s'mores, this is what he'd say. He'd say this, second thing we got to know, is he'd say, when God calls, he's aware of the cost. He knows. He's not like, wow, man, I hadn't really thought of all that, you know. 
That is pretty risky what I'm asking you to do. See, here's what happens. Sometimes when we're sensing God calling us to do something, sometimes it's not that we don't know what he's calling us to do. And so often we're wrestling with how to sort through the consequences of it. Yeah, but God, if I do that, then what about this? And then how's this going to work? And I've got this goal, and that's going out the window, and I can't connect the dots. I thought I was going this way, and all of a sudden you've changed course. And how does this fit with this and my expectations and and all this and that? And God says, I'm already aware of the cost. I I know it. He's God. He knows every detail of of our life. When God calls, he's aware of the cost. Now, there's something else in this passage that, I mean, this is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, Christian. If you could realize this is God's tendency, it would save us so much heartbreak. Did you notice that underlying part that we read together? Did you notice this is actually what he said to Abraham? He said, I want you to go. Hey, where am I going? To a land that I'll show you. Just start moving. Just go. I want you to leave, and I will give you the next step along the way. But right now, all you need to focus on is go. And I'll tell you the next step. See, here's one of the most profound things. This passage tells us a tendency we need to know about God is this one. Look at this. God usually gives the first step, not the full story. When God's calling, he usually says, okay, step here. And then here's what usually gets us tripped up. A lot of times it's not, hey, God, what's the next step? What do I do? A lot of times it's not step one we're questioning. We're we're thinking through, what about steps two, three, four, five, 15, 20, 55, 105? We're looking so far down the road and we're saying, God, I expect like a, a full explanation here. I expect a portfolio that projects the trajectory of this path and what the end result is. And I've got these goals, you know, God, that I, that I gave you that we, we've worked on together. And I thought this is where we were going. And God's like, I just, I really don't operate like that. I give you step one. You take step one and then you'll, I'll tell you step two in its time. Why does God do that? It can be very frustrating. Just show me the full story. Why do you have to just tell me just the first step? He said, and, and his response would be, because this is a journey of faith. What's more important is that you learn to trust me than you get to the destination. He's like, I really have the destination under control. I'm teaching you to trust me along the way. God usually doesn't give us the full story. He just gives us the first step. Let's keep going and see. Let's see what happens next. Let's go to uh, verse 2. Look what happens next. He says this. It's, it's really unbelievable. He says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Now look up here at these two little words underlined. I want you to read these with me. Read it with me. So that. Now hold on to that. So that you will be a blessing. Verse 3 says, And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. Look at this, this is unbelievable. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I don't know how this message got to Abraham. I don't know if it's in his quiet time, he's praying, and then he just senses God. This is pretty overwhelming. Leave all that's familiar. I get it. It's a lot. Leave all that's familiar, but here's what I'm planning to do. I'm going to make you great. I'm actually going to make a nation out of you. 
and you, every nation in the world will be blessed because of you. That's unbelievable. You know what he's saying? He's saying, honestly, Abraham, I'm going to make you extremely successful, and I'm going to make you famous. That's what he's saying. Man, you are going to be famous. You're going to be known. You are going to impact through you every country in the world. We say, oh, wow, that's a pretty sweet deal that Abraham has there. Wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. And there are two little words. And I love how this translation, the English Standard Version, I love how it translates. It just draws this subtle, this subtle inference out of the ancient Hebrew. It says these little two words. So that. There's a purpose behind his calling. It's not, hey, I'm going to make you successful. I'm going to make you known. I'm going to make you influential so that all of your goals are met and so that you're happy. I'm going to, man, I'm going to make you very successful. I'm going to make you very famous. You're, you, it's going to be unbelievable the level, amount of influence you're going to have so that you feel fulfilled. No, that's not what he says. So that you will be a blessing. If Grandpa Abraham were here, we're sitting around the campfire, here's what he'd say to us is this next truth. Your calling fits into God's story. Do you realize there's something so much bigger than you that God's doing? You realize, think of it like this. Do you realize so often when we're wrestling with God's calling, we're really what we're asking is, what do I want? Do I want this or do I want this? Do I want to be married or is this really not the person I want to be married? Is this the job I want or is it not? Do I want to live here or do I want to live there? We're asking that kind of question. Do I want to take the risk and make that investment or do I want to play it safe? We're asking what we want and that's the wrong question. What we should be asking is, God, what do you want? Think of it like this. You you realize that um, you and I, we're not the main character of our story. We're not the starring role. The last couple generations that have grown up in our society, if you're a, a boomer, a Gen X, or a millennial, there's been something pumped into our brains that previous generations didn't have pumped into their brains. It's that, man, you can do anything you put your mind to. Whatever you want to become, you can do it. Reach for the stars. Don't give up. Your, your thing, find your thing. Be true to yourself. Whatever it is that you want, reach for it. But you know what the scripture is saying? God has a plan, and he has a role for it in your life. You're not the starring role of your story. Jesus is. He's the starring role. You and I are support actors. My life is not about what makes me most successful, what makes me most influential, what makes me most happy, what makes me most, uh, most satisfied and fulfilled. That's the wrong question. It's God, you have a story to honor Jesus Christ. What's my role? I'm a supporting cast member. You say, man, that's actually kind of a downer. I, I mean, I, I kind of want you to inspire me to just go out there and achieve, but you realize... The fact that God has a plan bigger than you is so much better, so much more grand, so much more elegant. You realize you are in the middle of an incredible, epic story of God redeeming this entire planet, redeeming all of his creation. And he says, and I have a great role for you. I have a principal role for you in it. That's so much better for what he has. We're not the main character. Our story is going to fit into his plan. You realize um, God has different kinds of plans. With Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you great so that you can be a blessing. 
But God has other types of callings. Look up Isaiah's calling. God says, man, my people, they're struggling. They need someone to speak the truth. And Isaiah steps up and says, here I am. Send me, God. And then God says, okay, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to preach all your life, and no one is ever going to listen to you, and they're going to reject you. Did I volunteer for that? Because You know what? I was just checking my calendar, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. You say, okay, but God, in the end, I mean, it was a you know, glorious ride. I mean, yeah, he got rejected at first, but then he wrote a book on overcoming depressing situations and went on the speaking circuit. Like, that's how it ended, right? Do you know how it ended for Isaiah? He preached boldly. No one ever listened to him. They rejected him, and they killed him at the end. Do you know how they killed him? They sawed him in half. Let's just talk about Abraham's calling. Let's just stick with that one. Way better. I like Abraham. I think I've got the Abraham style calling in my life. Let's not talk about Grandpa Isaiah. He just stays. He's a weird uncle that we don't talk about. All right. Let's not talk about his calling. Okay. Here's the point. The beautiful thing is some of the greatest prophecies about Jesus Christ passed down through Isaiah. Some of the most beautiful things were passed through Isaiah. He never knew it in his life, but he just took it on faith. Oh, the whole point is this. Whatever your story is in your calling, just know there's a so that. So that he can use you to be a blessing as part of his story. Here was Abraham's story. Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. So Abraham had a son named Isaac. Then Isaac had a son, Abraham's grandson. His name is Jacob. Jacob gets renamed by God as Israel. Israel then, Jacob, Israel has 12 sons. They become a nation, the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of the sons is a son named Judah. And God puts a calling on Judah and says, through you will come a leader that will rule the world. And there was a a preview of that through one of his descendants, a guy by the name of David, who was an incredible king over all of Israel. And then God kind of tightened it down and gave us a little closer picture. He says, actually, through the line of David will come a king that will sit on the throne forever. And a couple, several hundred years later, when all the other tribes have been conquered, there's only one tribe left. It's Judah. It's the Jewish people. There was a man that God sent. His name was Jesus Christ, but he was more than a man. He was fully God in human flesh. And he gave up his life. He was sent from heaven. He gave up his life. He was crucified on the cross. And he took all of the world's sin on himself. And he paid for, for all of sin so that anyone who says, yes, God, I accept forgiveness through Jesus. Put my, all of my sin, past, present, and future. Put it on Jesus Christ and wash me clean. And he says, if you put your faith in Jesus, I will wash you clean and you'll be saved for eternity. And really what's happening is we then get adopted into God's family. See, that's why we call him, you maybe have heard of Abraham called Father Abraham, or we're calling him Grandpa Abraham. Because if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're part of this family of faith that all starts with Abraham hearing God's call and taking a step of faith forward. And if we put our faith in God's plan through Jesus Christ, we are part of that family. And he is, spiritually speaking, our Grandpa Abraham. See, that's his calling. It's through his descendant, Jesus, that will bless every nation, every nation on this planet. An incredible calling that is so much bigger than just Abraham. Let's look at verse 4. Let's wrap up the story here. It says this, so Abram went 
as the Lord had told him, and Lot, his nephew, Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He went. All right, so we, we know that this is how God operates. You know, okay, I, I got it. Those are some of the tendencies of God. And, you know, don't expect to get the full story, just the first steps. All right, my, my story's part of God's story. All right, I got it. I got all those things. But, man, how do I know if it's God? How do I know when to go? It says he went. Okay, how do I really know when to take that step forward? I want to just break this down into three categories, and I think this might be helpful for us. I want you to think in three categories in hearing God's call. There are some things that are absolutely transparent. There are some things that are translucent. And there's some things that are tinted. There's some things that are transparent. There's some things that are just so clear, we already know what to do. It's in the Bible. There, it, it's, you don't doesn't require a lot of wrestling or seeking counsel. It's, it really is very clear. It's really a right or wrong. It's a sin issue. And sometimes we make things that are transparent. We don't like what God's calling us to do, so we make it an issue. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're not married, it's very clear what God is saying in the Scripture. He's saying, flee sex before marriage. Flee it. He's not saying, okay, just make sure just you avoid like the big stuff. He's saying, run the other way. Flee it. Well, you know, I mean, I hear you, but you don't understand our relationship. I mean, we're going to get married. We actually would already be married. You know, I think God sees us as married. It's just there's some obstacles that I got to get out of my way. There's some things going on. You know, there's some financial things we got to work through. There's some other things. I've got some goals first. And, and so, you know, we're, we're practically married. We just haven't done that. It's very clear, simple. It's transparent. Don't have to make it, don't have to muddy the waters. It's very clear. God says, flee sex before marriage. Flee, flee expressing my sexuality with that person until we're married. Run the other way. In other words, until the moment that I have stood before my family and friends and vowed before God in that moment where I've covenanted the rest of my life with this person, flee it. Yeah, but we're engaged. I mean, what's a couple dates? It's God's transparent calling is what the issue is. Maybe it's at work, and, you know, there's some areas that in the industry that I work in, we kind of fudge some of the numbers, and, you know, we say one thing, but we really mean this, and that's just the way the industry works. Yeah, that, I understand that I, we probably don't appreciate each other's industries that, that we're in, but understand there's a transparent call that God has called us to be truthful and to be honest. It's transparent. Yeah, but you can't operate in this industry. Well, God warned us that there's going to be times that we're going to be like strangers and aliens. We're going to do things that are totally different than this world. It's very clear. It doesn't need to be muddied. There's things that are God's calling. It doesn't take a lot of work. It's just transparent. Then there's things that are translucent. There's things you're not going to find in the Bible. There's things that it's not a clear cut, right or wrong. You're not going to see like, you're not going to turn to a passage in Leviticus and it says, Frank, you should change your major. You're not going to be like, wow, I didn't know that was, that was in there. <laughs> All right, God, I got it. I'll do it. Okay. That's, there's not verses like that. The translucent requires some wrestling. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It doesn't mean that there's not a wise way to go. It doesn't mean that, you know, God's like, hey, you just make the decision. It doesn't mean that there's not a place that he's guiding you. It just requires some wrestling with it. That's really what we're talking about this morning. But i got to warn you about this last category. There are some things that are tinted. It could be transparent or translucent, but it's tinted. It's tinted by, 
our own desires, our, our own sinful impulses, they're the things that we're saying, I really want to do this, so I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to call it God's thing. I'm, going to, I'm kind of seeking God. I might even think I'm seeking God, but really I'm just going to do what I want, and I'm tinting the issue with my own desires and impulses. Can I warn you about one thing, Christian? One of the hardest things in, Christian, in the Christian life is when we're seeking the Lord and we're just, God, show me, show me. And, and some things happen in our life and we wonder if it's a sign. I couldn't believe the coincidence. I was reading in the Bible that morning and then I get in my car and I turn on the radio and it's a Christian song singing about that passage that I read. I mean, the coincidence, it's got to be. I mean, now I know what I need to do. And then later that day, okay, I tripped over a rock. I broke my shoelace. Then my teenager came home. They got an A on their math test, okay? And then a bird flew overhead, and then I saw a a flock of of geese walk by, okay? And now I know I need to buy a Lamborghini. (laughs) I saw all the signs clearly from the Lord, okay? Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm making light of this. I believe that the Lord speaks in all kinds of interesting ways. He can speak in however he wants. I believe in miracles. I believe that he gets our attention. I'm just cautioning you how to interpret these coincidences. They may very well be from God. I'm just cautioning you on interpreting them. Because typically God sends signs. It gets our attention. And those signs are there, we, we hide them in our heart, we journal them, we remember them, we write them down, we share them with a friend, but we, we don't, we hold off on interpreting them, and then later on, it's to show what God was planning to do, we're like, that's why you did that. It's more often to show later what God was doing, rather than to show us what God will do, okay? And so, here's how you, you put these signs, you hide them down in your heart. Here's my biggest concern about this teaching this morning is that there are several here that they're saying, man, I'm deciding whether I'm supposed to leave my job, if I'm supposed to leave this house, if I'm supposed to leave this relationship, and then I've been wrestling with it, and I show up at church, and then it's talking about Abraham leaving all that's familiar. It's a sign. This sermon is not a sign. Your temptation is to leave. God, thank you, you showed me what to do. God's not showing you the end result. This is not a sign. It's better than that. He loves you so much and he knows that you're wrestling and he's giving you tools for how to wrestle. He hasn't given you the answer. He's saying, he, I, he's saying son, daughter, I know that you're wrestling. Here's some tools on how to wrestle. Here's why we like signs so much. It's so much easier than wrestling. It's so much easier. Wow, I said it's coincidence, and then the song, and then the shoelace. I mean, I now know. So much, it's so much easier to just see the signs. Now, I'm not saying dismiss them, hide them in your heart, be careful of drawing conclusions, and dig in and wrestle. All right, real quickly, how do I wrestle? Let me give you three things. Here's the first thing seek godly counsel. These are three ways to wrestle. Seek godly counsel. What is godly counsel? Godly counsel is not telling anyone who will listen and getting their opinion. Godly counsel is finding a Christian brother or sister who is, is steeped in the scripture and they want for you God's calling first and foremost. What godly counsel is, is someone you know is willing to tell you what you don't want to hear. 
If it's a friend that's going to tell you the easy thing because they want to protect the relationship, that's not godly counsel. A godly counsel is someone who puts truth first and is willing to tell you the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable part. That's godly counsel. Now, hopefully they'll tell you gently, lovingly. Hopefully they'll listen for a long time first. But that's what godly counsel is. Here's the second thing. Godly counsel, the second way to wrestle with God is sincere confession. Sincere confession. You know that there are impulses in our hearts. Impulses in our hearts that scream louder, so loud that we can't hear God's whisper sometimes. Their desires, their sinful impulses. Like, let me just give you a top couple. The first one is comfort. Sometimes we're wrestling with God and the desire for comfort screams louder than his whisper. And so I make a decision based on what's more secure, what, what's going to be easier, or sometimes it's, well, it's just my laziness rearing up. and I don't think God's calling me to that. So I've got to go and sincerely say, God, am I operating out of what's comfortable? Second one of the big ones is ego. Sometimes ego screams so loud, I miss God's call. Wow, well, this is a promotion. It's got to be from God. I've been waiting for this. This is an incredible opportunity. And it just, my ego, my pride gets in the way, and it's just screaming so loud. I mean, how could I, I can't even imagine myself turning this down. How could I turn this down? And, and so it makes me put other things farther down on the surface. I mean, is this really right for my family? Is this really what you're calling me to do, God? And sometimes I just, my pride is screaming so loud. The opportunity for promotion or prestige or power just screaming so loud can't hear God's whisper. Sincere confession. Another one is materialism. They're offering me more money. That's better financially for me. That would make me be able to, and I might call it something glamorous, that makes me able to provide for my family. And maybe there's some truth in that. But we've got, and that's a, that's a great instinct. But be honest, is it really that? If it's that great, or is that just my code for a better, better lifestyle for me materialistically? Sometimes it screams so loud, materialism, that I can't hear the whisper of God. Fourth thing is lust. Sometimes it's my sex drive making a decision. Am I really supposed to be in this relationship and it's just screaming so loudly that I can't actually clearly hear God's whisper? Last thing, control. Wow, this gives me more control, or this helps me avoid the unknown, or this helps me avoid making the decision. That decision is scary. I, I, have, I know less about that, but this I know, and I can control it. And sometimes the impulse to control screams so loudly I can't hear the whisper of God. Godly counsel, sincere confession, and here's the last one, submissive prayer. Here's one of the saddest things that can happen for a believer walking with the Lord. One of the saddest things is we say, God, all right, help me make this decision. God, give me, and day two, we say, God, give me wisdom as I'm making this decision. God, three, make sure I'm not missing anything. And we kind of pray, and then in the end, when someone asks about the decision, oh, I prayed so much about it. And I kind of put that as the blanket. Okay, I'm doing the right thing because I prayed about it. I fasted about it. We've got to have true, deep, submissive prayer. God, am I, is this me making this decision? Discuss with God. Show me, God, I don't want to do my own thing. Please, would you reveal in my heart, God, just show me what the right path. God, sometimes I feel like this is what you're doing. Is that what you're doing? Sometimes I I don't know if that's what you're doing. Sometimes I think it's this, and, and these things all happen. Is that you arranging it, or is that me imagining it? 
Lord, is this the impulse I have in my heart? Because pull that out. Lord, ultimately, I really, truly just want what you want. Or maybe you get to the end of the decision. You say, God, I really believe this is your calling. I believe this is what you're calling me to do. If I'm wrong, please change this course. Please help me to see it. Deep, submissive prayer from your heart. And as you walk forward, eventually you just get to a place where you just trust. God's not a puzzle. He's not trying to confuse you. He wants you to hear his call and follow. He wants you to take that step in faith and in trust. And if after all that, you still don't know what to do, then hear this passage. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here it is. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You don't know what to do, then just simply remember this. There's a time when God looked at his son Jesus and said, go. You're leaving the comfort of heaven the glory of heaven, the unbelievable wealth and beauty of heaven, and you're going to go and you're going to be a servant rejected by puny creation, and you're going to be placed on a cross, and you're going to take all of sin and death on, on you. And Jesus said, okay. And after his humiliation, God said, okay, now I'm going to raise you up. You are the starring role of all of history. May we have that mind among us too. Maybe where you're at this morning in taking your first step of faith, maybe this is what God's saying. He's saying, go. Go put your faith in Jesus. Maybe he's saying, stop trying to earn salvation. Stop trying to be good enough. He's saying, put your faith in what my story is the centerpiece is Jesus Christ on a cross dying for your sins and then rising again from the dead. He's saying, put your faith in that. You say, I don't know about step two, three, and four. I don't know what that's going to change in my life. He's just saying, you won't. You just have to take step one, which is say, okay, I receive the free gift of your forgiveness. Is that you this morning? You need to take that step. If that's you, then I want to just lead you in a prayer. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you want to take that step of faith this morning, then please just pray these words in your heart. Make these words your words in your heart, just between you and God. Say, God, thank you for your story, your plan that saves me for eternity. Thank you for putting sending your son. Jesus, thank you for the obedience of that cost, costly call. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. 
I turn over my life in submission to you, God. I'm going to follow you on this journey, wherever it goes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.